It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from the heartland, where investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Paranoid Banker Podcast. So today, um, actually yesterday, I got notify well let me back up and tell you that and i'll uh, uh let the folks on video know too and you know listening in uh, on audio that i got i don't know if i'd call it an honor uh, it's probably not an honor in my world it probably would be uh, some would would think no uh, the people giving it to me i know didn't think it was an honor um uh, and found out, well, what I found out was I received the honor, designation, whatever you want to call it, the, of a record setter um, uh, yesterday. And I set the record for having the most property tax assessment appeals that the city tax assessor's office has ever had. So that was my record I set. And like I said, I don't know if that's an honor. I kind of consider it an honor in a way. Uh, but myself, I had the most that they have ever seen at one time tax assessment appeals uh, that we went through. And so just to give you an idea, what typically happens is um, every state's different, but in Iowa, you know, the properties get reassessed about every two years. The city tax assessor then sends out the values to you, letting you know, hey, here's where we're coming in with the value of the property. And, you know, one of three things happens, not surprisingly. A, you think it's just fine. The value's pretty much where it needs to be. B, you think the value's low, where if that's the case, you never say anything. Okay, they've got my value low. Um, that's great because in that way they're not, you know, you're saving in some property tax money. Or number three, not surprisingly, you think the value is too high. They've got your value up higher than what you feel the market value is or the value of the property. And so um, I appealed almost every single property that we own to the assessor's office saying that my value are too high. Now, why in the hell would I do that? Don't I have better things to do? Isn't there better things to do than spend time on data, information, paperwork, processing, phone calls with the assessors, all that kind of stuff? Isn't there some better things to spend time on? And the answer is arguably, yeah, but... Remember, we're talking about a lot of property, okay? So just some savings on every single property really adds up, number one. Adds up big time, because we're not just talking about one, we're talking about many. So that's number one. Number two is you have to remember when it comes to the tax assessor, they're just, first of all, they're just doing their job. They're just getting an idea where they pretty much feel market value is. 
assessing your property and saying, hey, here's where your property is at. Now you got to start paying tax based on what we think your property's value is. That's, I mean, that's their job. So I don't have a problem with it. But I do have a problem when the values go up significantly when a few things have happened. Okay? And what I'm going to say may give you some ideas, give you guys some ideas, give you some ideas um, when it comes to your own properties. Okay? So, I have a problem of values going up when, in a lot of ways, income has gone down and looks like it could continue to go down in the future. Let me give you a couple of examples. So the examples I'm going to give you would kind of overlay across all of the holdings, okay? So all 30 whatever appeals that we did on the phone for two hours yesterday with me and the Board of Appeals going over every single one is pretty much over all of them, okay? So number one is a additional costs dealing with COVID-19. Additional staff time, additional sanitizing, additional janitorial, additional paperwork, additional um, time with any social service agencies, all of that. All of that additional COVID time has got to be accounted for because that is an uncontrollable surprise expense that we're still dealing with on most of the properties, okay? Because it takes time, effort, energy, and money in addition to your general overall process of expense or expense budgets of that. And by the way, there's no one that budgeted any money in any of their budgets for any viruses in 2020. There's no way. Okay? So, there's that. Then there's the additional cost or really loss of income from those residents that are um, either making payments, either paying rent in payments, you know, they're still behind, but they're making payments, or residents that, let's say they're playing the game and not paying any rent. Uh, as, as you all know, there's eviction moratoriums out there. And, you know, there's ways that we're dealing with that and, and working with residents. But at the end of the day, there's a cost of that. There's a cost to that, too. Okay? Then you've got a third element, which, we're, we're, which is a little unique for us, which is we had a derecho storm in August, which caused a lot of property damage. Um, much of that property damage still hasn't been repaired yet. We're still waiting in line for either materials, contractors, okay. So there's the derecho part of it um, that we still are out. You know, so for example, we still have some apartment units that aren't occupied yet as a result of the storm. So we've got to take that into account. There's a loss of income there. Um, then in addition to that is the now pending extra insurance costs that we're going to be seeing as a result of the storm, the claims filed because of the storm. So for example, one of our property's insurance premiums last year was $8,200-ish, okay? I just got the renewal put on my desk on this policy 
um, last week, it's going up to $14,200, which is a 70 plus percent increase in one year. In one year. Okay? So, you throw all those things together, uh, and they pretty much apply to most every single property. I have a problem with now my taxes going up 24%. My value is going up 24% in a year when all of this went down and all of this happened. I have a big problem with that because I think I have some justifiable reasons that my value shouldn't be where you're putting my value. So I'm having conversations with the board for hours on the phone about every single property. Okay, again, the reason why, like I said, number one, I think we've got some justifiable, realistic reasons why our value should be down. Number two, savings and taxes on every single one of these parcels, every single property, will result in an additional, additional tens of thousands of dollars of income we can still have, while at the same time we don't have to raise rent on our residents to recover that, because a mistake a lot of people make, um, especially politicians by the way, is they think that landlords pay taxes. They think that apartment community owners pay insurance. They, no, the tenants do. We're just going to take the bill and we're going to pass it on to the tenants. That's what's going to happen. Um, we're not gonna pay this out of pocket. Uh, that is going to be something that's going to have to be absorbed by the residents because it's part of the overhead of running the property. We don't wanna do that. I don't want to continue to raise rents on our residents. I don't want to do that. And, but I'm forced to if these tax increases happen. So I don't want to raise rents on our residents. Um, that's the other reason. Um, and at the end of the day, like I said earlier, you have to set a foundation because if I were to do nothing, now the values will go up from, from the raised values they are now in two years. So two years from now, if I do nothing, they'll go up from, you know, an aggregate value of 50 million versus 38 million. I want to be at that 38 million foundation. You follow me? So those are the reasons why you've got to do this. And not only that, my partners um, expect it. Uh, they deserve it. And... That's just part of what I should be doing as a co-owner of these properties with them. Of course, I'm doing it for my own selfish personal reasons, too. I own the properties, too, but for them as well. Okay? And so let me give you just a little statistic that I know about. I know this for sure. Uh, I wasn't the only multifamily owner, at least in the city here, that got these notices that our taxes are going up probably on average of 24%. I wasn't the only one. Most every other multifamily community owner got the same thing, okay? I know for sure that the number of multifamily owners that went to the time, effort, energy, that I went through 
in fighting for this was less than 5%. Let that sink in for just a second. Less than 5%. Significant. Significant. Not because it's so high, because it's so low. So you mean to tell me that 95% of multifamily owners that got these assessments decided to do nothing? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. Why is this the case? By the way, as a little sidebar to this, um, if you are involved in any kind of ownership of multifamily properties and your managers, your asset managers, your people in charge are not doing this for you, you're, you better be like complaining about it. You better be complaining. Because this is like part and parcel of what they should be doing. Um, it's not sexy, it's not glamorous, but it's freaking necessary. It's necessary. Okay, so back to the question. Why do we only have 5% of multifamily owners that have done anything? Here's the reason why. The reason is abdication to an authoritative figure where they figure that's just the way it is. Okay? So in other words, they've been told by the assessor, here's what your value is, and they've chosen, oh, well, the assessor said, here's what our value is. We're not going to do anything. We're just not going to do anything. Now, I might be being a little unfair in saying that all of those 95% of apartment community owners think that way. I mean, there may be a few that maybe um, for some reason, there might be another reason why they decided not to um, appeal their values. Okay, so I'm maybe unfairly classifying all of that 95% in the abdication of authority box, okay? Um, but it's at least 80% of them, okay? At least 80% of them. Why is that? A bunch of reasons. Number one, it takes work. It takes time effort, energy, and oh, well, I got to do this, I got to do that. Oh, I'll just, I'll just forget about it. Okay? Number two, they don't see it hit their bottom line now until next year. Okay? So it's not like, so they got notice of tax increase, but they won't really be getting that increase until next year. So because there's some time lag in there, they figure, oh, well, I'll deal with it when it comes up. By the way, the time goes by fast. All right. Um, but here's the main reason why. The main reason is because they're afraid to. They're afraid to. They have the fear of standing up having a different set of opinions 
as compared to what they were told was going to happen. So rather than doing anything about it, it's easier to just keep quiet, right? Don't say anything. Uh, don't make a fuss. Um, better to stay un under the radar screen and not do anything. That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. Because not only does that affect where they're at now, it affects where they're going to go. That mindset of keeping quiet, burying your head in the sand, um, not drawing attention to yourself, um, keeping off the radar screen, having what they call a low profile is really not a good idea because it costs you, we're talking about money here, but it costs you in terms of being able to expand, being able to acquire more units if that's what you want, being able to do many other things. And here's the big problem with this. The big problem with this is this not only applies to this narrow area we're talking about with property taxes and multifamily. It applies to everything in their lives. This isn't just like a little symptom of um, not thinking it's worth appealing your property taxes. This is a, remember, 95% would rather keep quiet, not ruffle any feathers, and just keep moving on with their lives rather than putting their hand up in the air saying, damn it, I got a problem with this, and we need to do something about it. That way of thinking is a really big problem, and it gets in the way of progress. It gets in the way of not only their financial progress as multifamily owners, okay, whether they want to have better properties, they want to operate better properties, they want things to uh, get better returns or better cash flow, but it also trickles into personal stuff too, in a lot of ways. So it's not just symptomatic of, you know, financial stuff. It's like in everything. So um, am I saying that every time something comes up you disagree with, you protest or appeal or, you know, have, no, I'm not saying that. But you can't get anywhere. You can't have any kind of success that you potentially, listen to what I'm going to tell you here. You can't have any kind of success that you potentially think you should have in whatever area of your life, especially financial, if you keep a low fucking profile and, you know, don't want to ruffle any feathers. You have to do the things you don't really feel like doing that make you uncomfortable in order to make progress. But see, most, remember, we're talking 95% here. Oh, that makes it's too uncomfortable, too much work, it's just, I just don't want to do it. Again, I may be unfairly um, lumping all of those other uh, multifamily owners in that group, but it's at least 80% of them. And it affects 
everything. Most of us are like wired and programmed to avoid conflict, to avoid problems, to avoid issues. And by the way, I don't get up every morning with the intention of finding a whole bunch of problems. <laughs> oh, I want to find as many problems as I can. I want to have as many conflicts as I can. No. But you can't make progress in reaching whatever potential you think you have by a low profile and by staying comfortable and by not doing anything. You just can't. And so the sooner you realize this, and the sooner you do something about it, the sooner you will reach your potential in whatever it is you feel you need to reach your potential in. And everybody's got a list, you know, in something. Some, a long list. I got a long list. It's longer, I mean, in lots of areas. I'm not there. I'm not there. But until you deal with what I'm talking about now, recognize it, understand that it's there, and even for just a moment, kind of appreciate with where you're at and why you're feeling this way, and understand that, that, understand that it's here, and that you now kind of um, looking at it, confronting it in a way, seeing it until you do that first. It's just not going to happen the way that you want or even expect it to happen. Okay? So it's kind of funny how being the guy that has gotten the award of most appeals they've ever had especially at one time, it's exactly what I want. It's exactly what needs to happen. Not because I like it, not because it's fun or enjoyable, and not because I don't have better things to do. But because it's necessary in my growth and my expansion. And, and here's the important part for all of you to listen to here, not only mine, but the people that are associated with me, either personally or professionally. Because it all kind of gets out there collaterally. It all gets out there collaterally. And until you get this and like make it um, something you don't just listen to once, and yeah, I get that, okay, and move on. This has got to be like regular thinking, repetitive. Um, and frankly, it's really one of the main things that separates those people that you have identified in whatever areas as being like uh, really successful and people that you think highly of in whatever, it's really what separates them from you right now in those areas. In those areas. Um, and by the way, I don't like this. You know, it's not like, it's not like this is, um, you know, enjoyable 
I don't enjoy spending hours on the phone with the assessor. I don't enjoy digging up, discovering, and working on problems and being uncomfortable. It's not like you enjoy it, okay? But I do enjoy the results of going through it, and I understand that it's necessary for growth and expansion in reaching your potential. It's necessary. The more you avoid it, the more you run away from it or hide from it or procrastinate with it, the longer it will take you to get to where you really, really could be in whatever area of your life. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com.